0: We're back with another episode of the Return of the Roar podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Frankie Cardicelli joining me. What's going on, Frank? Brendan, sir, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. It is. Neither one of us are dressed.
1: No, no. Uh, I I did wear, I was Mario this year, my, and my girlfriend was Peach, and my other roommate was, uh, well, I guess my, my roommate is my sister. They were Luigi, and I can't remember Luigi's significant other in mario but that's what she Um, was uh princess not peach and daisy yes daisy yes so we we were uh we went as like a little little you
0: know super mario party unit but did you not dress up this year i didn't do anything um didn't go to any halloween party or anything i'm waiting for the pictures by the way from the party that d'arren hosts every year
1: yeah i saw the the incredibles fit you saw that right the oh i didn't well, he posted. It was him, Rasay and and Little Rain. They were they were the Incredibles. They were Mister Incredible, Mrs. Incredible, and um, I think the baby's Jack or Jack Jack. Yeah, yeah, Jack
0: Jack Jack Jack.
1: Um, but yeah, I I heard our buddies Chris Watkins and Alan Styles having a conversation today, and I I really hate to ask you this question because I working? know I know some of I know how you are with food and how you are with candy. I know the answer to part of this, but I um I do like candy corn. Okay, all right. Is that where this was going? Yeah. I mean, that was part of it. I mean, also the, like the the video, if you haven't, if you are listening, haven't seen out there, the Kings posted that video of Sasha Vazenkov trying candy corn It is honestly hilarious. It's I did not see that. Dude. It's so funny. He, it, you have to watch it after this. It's like 20 seconds long, but it's, it is hilarious. But so you like candy corn. What is your top tier candy? Like what is your number one candy? You used to look forward to getting on Halloween when you're a kid.
0: I mean, I think like Skittles and Starburst are probably the two. Um, not I not also good and funny. Really, like, no, no. Well, nobody puts those out there. You know what mm, I mean? I, w- I wonder why. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, they're all sold out probably, is oh, really yeah. what it is. Shelves are empty. Um, yeah, exactly. If I got hot tamales randomly, I'd be really hyped, okay. but that's not really happening. So, yeah, Starburst, Skittles. I also really liked Milky Ways. There was like a darker Milky Way that had like some marshmallow or something. Yeah. Was, like, the,
1: the dark chocolate Milky, uh, Milky Way with. Yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe. But, yeah, exactly. I love no, caramel. So I am. Um, what about you?
1: I, I really want. I I think they didn't hand these out, but they do now. Like we handed out candy a little bit ago. They have the white chocolate Kit Kats. Those mm. like right. If I would have gotten those when I was a kid, I would have you know lost my mind. But I think honestly, just like the OGs, like Reese's and M and Ms were really great. I think um, getting like Twix where it was like a really big deal. No I'm one sure really. Did. No, one gave those Those were like a you know, like I don't want to say like a pricier candy. It seems like they would be, but they seem like they're
0: like a bougie type of chocolate and I love it. But did you ever get anything weird? I guess that we're just on this now, but there was one house I went to one year, and they he clearly seemed unprepared, right? And closed his door for a sec, came back out with an ear of corn. Like not peeled you know like totally unshucked covered. unshucked Un- yeah. corn yeah. if that's how you say it yes just gave you a he's gave it to you and he just gave like random different fruits and whatever to we we were, you, were and you and trick or treating people on people the f- were there we went on a farm or something no no this is just like a normal neighborhood all his neighbors were prepared there's no way this guy just didn't know um I, yeah. i've never heard of corn
1: i've heard of pennies was, yeah pennies toothbrush- like people give out pennies. Like I remember when I was a kid, there was a house that gave out like pennies, um, floss. One like gave out like floss, like little, like the tiny little, you know, things mm-hmm. of, like some dentist. Yeah, maybe. And then, um, no, I, I never have heard of corn. That's, an, that's like a one-off all time experience. I'd imagine unless anybody
0: else out there has gotten corn before that, that guy like, did weird stuff every year for Halloween. We learned to not go to his house anymore.
1: Yeah, like, did he give out, like, screwdrivers one year and then, like, something else random the next year? Made no sense. Made no sense. That makes no sense, no.
0: But, um, you know, everyone out there, have a happy Halloween. You know, just yeah. give out good candy. Don't give out corn. I agree. And hopefully the Kings have a little Halloween gift for their fans. I guess it's day after. But playing the Golden State Warriors is going to be the second time already in the regular season. Enough. They already played two times in... Preseason as well, and obviously the seven game series that they played in the postseason. Uh, But before we look to that a little bit, let's, you know, we're three games into the season now. We got a win over Utah for Sacramento, a loss to Golden State at home, and then most recently on Sunday night in overtime, pretty fun win over the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, Has anything stood out to you specifically in, in these three games as like different or a big takeaway for you? I mean, I think the
1: the number one thing that's kind of the same is it's, it's pretty not funny, but I guess you expect it. I mean, through three games, I mean, Kings have the top, they're the top offense in the NBA right now They're Well, as far as points per game, they have 125.3 over three games. I think they've, they've topped 130 in both of those. Of course, one took overtime, but the offense seems deep. I mean, and the roster seems very deep and uh, I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, where that depth going to come into play here when we talk about some, a notable guy that might not be playing for a little bit, but, just the fact that they have guys that can, and again, with Trey Lyle still sideline, they just have guys that can go out there and get the job done and no shortage of scoring options. I, I do think that the defense looks a little bit better. I mean, it's it's a very small sample size, but they're 19th in defensive rating right now. Um, that's, a, that's a nice start. Obviously, they're still giving up a lot of points, but they're getting stops, it seems like, when they need them more times than not, unless they're trying to slow down a guy named Steph Curry because that just is... Seemingly not possible for the Kings to do, but uh, to me, my biggest takeaway is the offense it, it still looks as lethal as last year. Um, De'Aaron Fox has looked incredible, Demonis Sabonis, a great start to the year. Um, and there's a couple other guys we'll probably talk about in a little bit, but what about you? Anything sticking out to you that's that's noteworthy or anything that you're worried about?
0: Yeah, props to you for looking up the offensive defensive ratings. I have not done that yet. Um, It's been three three games, games. right? Right.
1: It's just like, it's worth kind of saying, but not really reading into, but those are, well, that's where the Kings are as of today.
0: Right. And no, I mean, I agree with most of what you said, like the, the offense looks like it's still just totally there, right? It doesn't look like it missed a beat in preseason. It actually looked a little sketchy at times. And, you know, as they're staggering, one of De'Aaron or Domas pretty much always on the floor. Offenses looked fine. Harrison Barnes had that huge game one, 27 in the first half, six more in the second. He ends up with 33, super efficient. And then De'Aaron, man, in these two games after that, 39 against Golden State, 37 against the Lakers. And that's not even playing a large majority of overtime, obviously with that ankle injury that we'll get to. It's been kind of as expected. I mean, I think the big standouts to me have been De'Aaron, like, he's taking a lot of threes. I think he's up to 27 through three games, and he's right around 37%. He's taking a lot of threes.
1: Yeah, right here. I mean, De'Aaron's nine of 24. So nine of 24, 37%. I mean, but still, that's like you said. I mean, as far as per game, that is math. Eight attempts per game. He's letting it fly. I mean, he's letting it fly. And it it kind of, again, maybe because the Kings Warriors parallels and how much De'Aaron was shooting threes in the playoffs. Cause I think Steve Kerr even said that in that playoff series, he was kind of playing a game of averages and a game of numbers and letting him shoot and kind of focusing on Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray and Harrison Barnes. And again, the Warriors did take a couple of those guys out of a series, but De'Aaron got his three point shot going in that series. And he's kind of carried it over to where where we're seeing him right now. But if that's really who he's going to be, that's kind of been the one caveat and the one kind of downside of his game is, oh my goodness, he's so quick. And so athletic and he can get to the rim, he just can't shoot. We saw the mid-range last year. That was working for him. It became a very lethal shot for him. It became an almost automatic, uh, that 15-footer, that kind of um, step back in the lane. But the three-point shot looks good, and he's knocking down open looks. He's, I think as far as contested threes, that might be something. I mean, you probably look at that at some point, maybe not right now, but I'm not sure where he is on contested threes, but it seems like the open shots have been going down. So that that's been a welcome sight for sure.
0: Yeah, he's definitely getting them up. I think he's been really good defensively as well, kind of setting the tone, embracing that physicality. And with that physicality that the whole team is seemingly bought into, comes a lot of fouls, right? 31 free throw attempts for Utah in game one, only 14 for the Warriors in the second game. But I don't think their defense was particularly good in that game. And then most recently against the Lakers, 34 free throw attempts for them. It was 23 in the first half, 11 in the second half in overtime. And, you know, they knew that this was going to be part of the process. When you play more physical, you're bound to have more fouls. Coach Brown has been talking about you just need to make sure to not use your hands, not be swiping at the last minute, keep them back, go vertical and things like that. So I think defensively, they definitely are embracing that physicality. I don't know how much better it's necessarily made them so far. Like they're they're still winning games with their offense, and I think that's fine. But we'll see. I mean, they're, they're doing, I feel like, what has been asked. So far, so we're going to have to see where they keep growing from here. But in that Lakers game, De'Aaron Fox goes down midway through the fourth quarter. He was driving to the basket, stepped on Gabe Vincent's foot with his right foot, rolled his ankle. And it sounds like he's going to be out about a week or two. It doesn't Very sound optimistic. too bad. Very optimistic yeah.
1: reporting from, I mean, the big guys, like obviously, um, you know, Mark Spears. I think he was the first to put that out there that he thinks it'd be a, a week. So I don't know if that's very realistic. I mean, I don't I think they said it. they didn't say if it was a grade one or a grade two in the release. I'm pretty sure they said a moderate ankle sprain. That's yeah. what the release said. Right. Right. So, I mean, I think we can maybe assume a one or between a one and a two.
0: I mean, I think if it was a, a two. He'd probably be out weeks or longer. Right. Yeah, it's probably somewhere in there. And to Darren's credit, he definitely wants to play, obviously, like in that game. He came back really quickly clearly passed all their tests when he went back into the locker room, got back out there. He was definitely hobbling around and coach said he noticed that, decided he wasn't going to play them, play him at the start of overtime and told whoever else it was that they were going to check in. And then when he got out of the coach's huddle, noticed De'Aaron was on the floor, tried to get his attention. I'm pretty sure De'Aaron kind of just turned and looked at him, but didn't even say anything. And coach was like, well, I guess he's playing, you know? Um, And that's not a bad thing. I like didn't tweet that when Coach originally said it because I didn't want to use the words. De'Aaron's ignored his coach because yeah, people like could refused. take that the wrong way. Yeah, like Coach is always so big on like competitive spirit, and that's exactly what that is from De'Aaron. You know?
1: Yeah, I don't think it was like a like screw you, Coach. I'm staying in. It was kind of like a, I'm I'm good. Like it was like I'm good. I want to play. I want to be out here with my guys and and keep battling. I mean, it was it was such a good game, and De'Aaron was such a huge part of that game. 13 in the fourth quarter. I mean, again, that also was. I guess we're going from takeaways De'Aaron's still that guy in the fourth quarter. I think he scored double digits in two of the three games in, in the fourth and only because Utah didn't play much down the final stretch. Cause the Kings are up by like, you know, I think he came out in four minutes because they were up by 18 or something like that. But um, I, I think that him staying on the floor just kind of speaks to his competitiveness and how much he wants to be out there. And I mean, I think if the Kings really felt he was in a position to hurt himself more and, 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 and put himself in danger of making things a lot worse. They probably would have not even let him go back out of the, the locker room the first time. And now that the reports are out there that the injury is not serious. Maybe you give some credit to his shoes and the braces he's wearing. I mean, you have to wonder how much different it would have been if, if he's not wearing those protective braces, but um, the good news is it it's early in the year. And that's one part. The other part is it's not going to be that long of an absence. I I think at the longest it'd be maybe two, two, three weeks if it was worst case scenario, but De'Aaron Fox is a notoriously quick healer and I think people are kind of throwing the next Friday for the in-season tournament game. Maybe, I mean, maybe that, that's a ways away right now. I mean, that's over a week away. So uh, plenty of time for him to come back. And I think it's more exciting as far as on the other side of things that we get to see guys that we don't know as much about. Can Davion Mitchell be a guy who he was in his rookie year when he was in the starting lineup for his rookie season? good numbers. He's a good, good numbers guy when he's playing high volume and playing a lot of minutes. And then again, we're going to talk about him too later on Colby Jones, who Mike Brown told you guys at practice today that Colby Jones is going to be getting a shot. And we haven't really gotten to see much of him. I think he's played one whole minute over the first three games. So bummer that De'Aaron Fox is going to be sidelined, but we know who De'Aaron Fox is. Now we get to kind of find out some other things that we are kind of wondering about.
0: I like your target of the OKC game, which is one, two, three, four, five games from our day of recording here, which I get lost on days of the week. It is Tuesday today. So Golden at Golden State on Wednesday, at Houston on Saturday, at Houston on Monday, which, you know, probably sucks for De'Aaron because I'm pretty sure that's the place that is closest to home for him. And yep. I believe it's the only time they go to Houston all year. And, you know, back, they play two games in a row with a day in between. Um, We'll see if he ends up traveling with the team or what they decide is best to do there. But after those three, you got Wednesday home against Portland. What should be another easy matchup? And then Friday, November 10th, versus OKC at home, the first in-season tournament game. It could be an interesting test of like. You know, I'd imagine, obviously, I I wonder if the fact that it's an in-season tournament game makes them like push a little harder for his availability. Obviously, like they're going to be extremely careful and precautionary, but it's almost an interesting test of like, does the incision tournament games already hold more weight? Yeah, I mean, I'm very intrigued
1: how to see how teams and players get up for him, because again, the whole load management or resting thing that the NBA has been kind of going through, some teams have kind of, I don't want to say given the finger at it, but they've said kind of, we don't give a damn about this. We're sitting guys. I think Joel Embiid almost sat out for that home opener the there at night. And then so I guess we, were, we had a Kings game at night too. So apparently all of a sudden he's on the floor doing the DX thing. Just got fined. He just got fined. He goes $8,000. So every, funny. $8,000 of thrust. <laughs> but we, we, were, we were sitting in our seats. So I'm like, I thought he was out. But there have been guys, Jimmy Butler sat yep. out for rest the other night. There, there you won't play
0: are, in Minnesota, I think n- is the thing
1: honestly yeah but how you can't do that you can't sit out because of rest and call those guys soft like when you and yeah he did rip them that one that's one of the funniest stories i've ever heard in my life all timer because i think did you hear jeff teague explain that story the way that it's hilarious jeff teague is so funny it's it's not safe for work language so if you want to go listen to it guys we can't play it here but it is hilarious and uh you, you can't say that when you say that but mate i'm i'm very interested to see how guys approach the in-season tournament? Is it going to be kind of like, this is a joke and whatever, or it's going to be, I don't want to say treat it like a playoff game, but treat it like an important game. Like a, you know, is it must win? No, but who's going to take it the most serious. I think the Kings will be probably taking it more serious than others. They'll be in that other half of, they're going to be kind of taking it serious, but that's what the conversation has been. I think going into the year is Sacramento is going to take the regular season a lot more serious than other teams do. I think that's one of the reasons why they were so good last year. They didn't, you know, load manager rests a lot of guys. And they had the, the, you know, the luck of health, not, I don't want to say luck, but they had health on their side. So what will that mean for the plan tournament? We'll find out next week.
0: We will. And in the meantime, not expecting deer and Fox out there, obviously, while he takes a little bit of time to recover from this. Also worth noting that back in 2019, when he had that grade three ankle sprain, that it was his left foot. This time is the right ankle. So, mm-hmm worth noting um you know kind that, of a good good
1: positive to me that's a good update yeah I would say that if you're not re-injuring that which I think you told us last year in a media scrum or he's like I don't know if it's ever really going to fully heal yeah. I think it's just gonna
0: make a lingering soreness kind of situation so it's a good thing he didn't aggravate that yeah he came back a little early from that one is my understanding and it's kind of just been a little lingering since there was that very interesting uh prior to the deadline that Sabonis got brought in and Tyrese was sent out when De'Aaron was not playing games for a little while and claiming it was that, you know, previous injury from a couple of years ago that was still kind of lingering. But anyways, he will be unavailable for a little while here. And obviously Sacramento's biggest offensive threat and like self-creator. But Davion Mitchell is expected to start and coach shared today that Colby Jones will get some run, which I love. I'm super excited to see. But how do you go about replacing De'Aaron's scoring production. Do you think, is there a certain player that stands out to you is like, I need more from Keegan Murray, or is it probably just a little bit from everybody?
1: I think the easy answer is a little more from everybody. Cause that's the reality of it. You're going to need a little more from everybody, but someone's going to have to take over the bulk of that. And I'm looking at two guys, really I'm looking at for sure. Keegan Murray, who I think has done a good job of being more aggressive. The shots haven't really been necessarily falling. I think he's gotten some really good looks. A lot of them have just been in and out. And again, even the game winner against the Lakers, that's a shot he probably knocks down, you know, more than half the time. And I think it's just a matter of, he'll, can he get going? Is that taped up hand and affecting things at all? Probably not. But I think we see. seen was Murray. Was it still ta- taped? Has it still he's, been taped? He's still taped. Yeah, okay. he's still taped. And my my grandpa was asking me that. He's like, is that tape on his hand bothering his shot? I'm like, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think so. <laughs> He was taped for a lot of last year too, and he still was great. So I think those shots start falling. Mike Brown even said that he had never seen so many in and out shots as as many as Keegan had. I think against Golden State, so um, getting good looks and he's still up scoring at a high clip, but he needs to take more shots with Fox sideline. And then Harrison Barnes, I think he took five field goal attempts against Golden State. I think we saw a little more from him against uh, against Los Angeles, but he needs to be maybe not quite the guy in Utah. I don't expect 30 points a night from Harrison Barnes. He can't replicate De'Aaron shot for shot, but being more aggressive. And I think we were talking about it while watching the game against the Lakers, how he got downhill a couple times and that is, he's so good. That's when he's at his best, when he's going downhill does his patented Euro step, which he he loves to do so often, but he's got that big body and he's hard to slow down. And I think he's been kind of passive and disappears a little bit. And maybe that's, a product of De'Aaron Fox taking a lot of shots when he's on the floor and he kind of just floats off to the side, but they can't really afford that right now. Cause we, I don't expect Davion Mitchell to come and take a high volume of shots. And I, I just don't know if that's realistic, but um, what about you? Do you have your guys, your eyes on any guys that are going to have to step up?
0: Yeah, definitely Keegan. I think Keegan's like just under 10, three point attempts per game Jeez. through these three games. He is, is shooting really? the crap out of the ball. And yeah, I want to say he's twenty. Oh my, nine. Yeah, he is. He is twenty-nine uh, attempts. He's
1: nine point seven attempts per game, and he is on ten of twenty-nine, so thirty-five percent, thirty-four percent.
0: But and the coaches fil- yelling at him to shoot more.
1: Oh yeah, and the field goal attempts—he's second on the Kings right now in field goal attempts per game. He's at fourteen point three per game, and again, last year I think he was averaging like nine attempts per game. So talking like a fifty percent
0: increase in in aggression here. It's hard, though, because I feel like De'Aaron does so much for setting him up, right? So he benefits from being on the floor next to De'Aaron, I think, more than, you know, when he's playing without De'Aaron, the benefit of, like, getting more shots. I think that playing next to De'Aaron is better for him, but I do want him to be a little more aggressive. And so your point of HB, like, I definitely think he could be the guy. Honestly, I just don't see that on it. I always sort of have gone I, I've learned for my own self that it's best to just not necessarily expect much from HB offensively outside of you know just stuff within the flow of the offense and then when you have a big game it's great you know you,
1: you've joined the Chris Watkins school of thought with with, uh,
0: with HB and that's fine with this roster it was frustrating when he was the third option you know yeah um, I think Malik man I think Malik is going to be the one closing games that's what we saw in that overtime game against the Lakers. He scored 11 in that overtime period, which is just a five-minute period, and also third had a and huge assist.
1: Third, and I believe, Sacramento Kings, like Sacramento era history. I think it's Fox, really? Pasia, Pe- and Malik, Yeah, which was news to me the other night. So it's, if it seems like a lot,
0: it is. Yeah, and I, I think he's the only other guy that can really, from the perimeter, just totally break down a defense, get in the middle of the paint, and make plays from there, you know, so... He needs to really, in my mind, limit his turnovers in this next game, and I think the scoring opportunities are going to be there. So I'm looking towards Malik and Keegan. We're on the same page with Keegan. I would love to get something from HB. I just uh, don't love to bet on that necessarily. Can I throw a random – okay, so I was looking at numbers yesterday, and I'm curious if you can guess who is currently second on the team in plus-minus. De'Aaron is first. It It is a wild answer. Sasha. It is fuck. It Ooh. is. <laughs> it's almost my bad. Almost JaVe McGee. That you were that disgusted in it that you That's almost, why I almost dropped the bomb. My fault. My fault. <laughs> it you is f- JaVale McGee, by the way. What? It shook my mind. Uh, I like, There's no way this is true. But sure enough, well, and his pick and roll with Malik has been good. He is very frustrating at times. You know, that tip out to LeBron was obviously like. A little much, and he has some, some frustrating moments. You know I think he has one assist and three turnovers he, in these three games. He was just
1: trying to set up LeBron
0: for that recreation
1: picture from did. 20 years. He was just like, hey, let's get that – I'll out for it, which is incredible, by the way, that picture. But, I mean, I guess it's not even the rundown, but
0: do we want – to I mean, that's – do we want to talk we about We don't to have to. I just second? randomly okay. saw the number yesterday and thought That's it on it.
1: It's crazy. I'll just be short and say there's been some a of good and a lot of bad with
0: JaVale. We can leave it at that, but um, I think the same. Do Do you expect so Davion started nine games last year and to go through his point totals in these games, right? Nine, eight, seven, three, ten, fifteen, fifteen, eleven, 10, 15, 15, 11, and five. He doesn't exactly up his offensive production that much. You know, he he's taken a few more shots, but not. That many more than average, you know, obviously there's a big minute increase, but 8.6 when he starts 4 point, excuse me, 4.5 when he's coming off the bench and obviously like a 12 minute increase in comparison between those numbers when it comes to closing lineups. And let's start with like specifically against Golden State, because I think these other games, honestly, the Kings should just even be more talented without De'Aaron Fox to win these games against Houston twice and Portland, but in this game against Golden State, you know with Chris Paul, Steph Curry on the floor at the same time, assumedly to close games. What point guard do you go with from Sacramento's perspective without De'Aaron? To close games? Yeah.
1: I mean, it depends. Is Malik going to play point like he did in overtime? I mean, is that your guy to play point? Because to me, I feel like that's who it has to be. Yeah. probably has to, right? Yeah, I mean – And it's kind of crazy with the Davion splits. Like I'm looking at his rookie year, and this might be because there was a lot of garbage—not garbage time, but I guess that they were playing at the end of the season. And Fox, I think, believe I believe Fox got COVID at the end of his of Davion's rookie year, and he was starting a lot down the stretch. But Davion is a starter, 18 points a game, 7.4 assists in 19 starts, and he shot 45% from the field and 34 from three. That'd be great, Uh, but then you go one year forward. And things just, they, I remember last year, I was kind of expecting Davion to kind of jump into a similar, like, route, I guess, and I don't know why basketball is not showing me, but he had nine points a game last year as a starter, just not, not the same at all. Um, and to pull up the, the full splits here, started nine games, nine points per game, four assists, um, 44 from the field, 29 from three. So again, if, if the offense that we're seeing from him, and I think he scored his first points of the year last game, he did. If that comes around, that'd be great. If, if if he can be a two-way player, not two-way by definition, like, oh, my goodness, I'm expecting 20 points from Davion him to keep playing the same on-ball defense that he does. I'm not expecting that, but if he can at least be something on, on offense, then, yeah, maybe there's a case for your closing lineup to include Davion and Malik. But if you're still getting one and the Kings are in Golden State tomorrow and they're in the game come the end of the third quarter, I feel like you got to have
0: Malik be your your guy leading the offense. I think Malik has to be out there. I agree with you. And I think the question might become is it Davion or Kevin? You know, because if you have Chris Paul and Steph Curry on the floor on the other side, last game we saw De'Aaron guarding CP3 and then Kevin Herter's on Chris Paul. And it's like, okay, well, I don't love that one. Um, you know, Kobe Jones is going to get some opportunity. Hey, man. I don't think it's insane to think that he could close the game. Could. Keyword, nice. very keyword here. Welcome to, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club.
1: I'm, I'm very intrigued. I mean, Colby was a big part of that game. Um, I mean, a lot of every preseason game, obviously he didn't play down the stretch in that, that preseason game in golden state, but played well. I mean, every, every time he was on the floor, that game, I believe is when we kind of saw him a good amount off the bench in a reserve role. And he's got the basketball IQ. Cause again, he was a distributor in college. He was everything in college. He was a good rebounder, a good. Um, distributor, summer league, same thing. Um, I'm intrigued because again, at practice today, you said he was in a a back, a uh, yeah, he was wearing jersey. a gray
0: second team, uh, penny, and it looked like pretty much he stepped into Davion's role and Davion stepped into De'Aaron's role. Unless like Malik maybe is going to bring
1: the ball down on initiate, but I feel like, I mean, what do you think as far as Malik just kind of you know, we'll go back to Colby in a second, but as far as Malik goes is he better with the ball in his hand setting up the offense or do you like him more off ball? Because I mean, he's proven he's not De'Aaron Fox, but they have similar skill sets as far as they can cause defenses to collapse and they can get their craft. They can get into the paint and get to the basket. Obviously Malik's a great, you know, great shooter in stretches. I wouldn't say last year he was incredible, but he really can get hot. And when he's, when he's on, he's on. Do you think he'd be better in on ball or off ball situations or do you have a preference?
0: I think he's good at both, but, I think with De'Aaron out, he's your best on ball player. So you probably just want the ball in his hands. Right. And, you know, if that means that Kobe brings it down and then gives it to Malik, like sure, whatever, or you just have Malik do it himself, which is kind of what I would expect. And then it's just like, you know, maybe I, I kind of think Colby can play a little bit of like one, two, um, play both of that a little bit. And, you know, everything runs through Domas is really what it comes down to when you're in these closing lineups. But I think Malik can do both and he did a lot of like off ball stuff in the playoffs, I feel like, or, you know, initially De'Aaron and then it would end up getting to Malik and he'd make some plays from there. So I think he could do both, but he's easily the best on ball guy after De'Aaron.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And that's why I think that as good as Davion is, and maybe there is a situation where he's on the floor, I think that Malik's your guy on the floor. And I think it's kind of a, is it Kevin? Is it Colby? Is it Chris Duarte at the two? Um, then obviously you have Sabonis out there and, and at the you know Keegan and HB, he's kind of got to figure out what that lineup looks like, that closing lineup looks like. But, um, yeah, I, I think having Colby Jones get some reps right now, I mean, he played so well in preseason, you get to see what you have in him. Uh, we were kind of talking about, I think, in the last pod about, I think, my guess was he would be possibly a starter at some point, maybe not a starter, but you know, and I wish it would have happened a different way. But here we are, game four, and he's going to be playing maybe 15 plus minutes for at least the next two, three games, or maybe even a little longer Fox, if they're careful, if the Kings are careful of bringing Fox back. But, um, I do think it's a really good opportunity for him to kind of carve out a role and kind of make himself known like, Hey, I want to be part of this rotation. Uh, it, we get to see if
0: that's going to happen sooner than later. This is very premature of me to say, but if Colby shows he can be a backup point guard, then it does make Davion a lot more expendable. Yeah. And, you know, I I think the Davion's been fine. But I do also think this is typically the time that you would move on from a guy like that if you were unsure about re-signing him. You know, a team could get him midway through the season and have enough time with them in his system to decide, do we want to extend him? Because the extension would happen this offseason. If that uh, deal doesn't end up working out, he would end up going to restricted free agency. Um, And, you know, we don't always just mention Kevin and Davion just because or anything, like also salary-wise and guys that you feel like, you'd be okay with finding a replacement for yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the other roster construction rather than those guys themselves. Um, but Kobe emerging Kobe playing well in these games would present some very interesting, you know, coach talked about in preseason, like he's making my decisions hard, which is a good thing rotationally. And if Kobe plays well, which honestly, I thought he looked super smooth in preseason coach used the description of quick but not hurried and mm-hmm. i thought that was a great way to uh, put his game and he's got good iq on both ends of the floor and some versatility so i'm interested to see what happens if he gets some reps and what that could present down the line um but kevin one of the guys we just mentioned had a i guess bounce back game i feel a little weird saying that because i it's mean the third game of the season i like, think he clearly was in his head
1: it's been longer than that though if you think about I think it was, if you add everything up, it's 16, no, 7, 7, 5, 2, 14. It's been 14 games as far as seven-game playoff series, five preseason games, and then two. And that's all together, and I get that. I totally no, get but that.
0: There, There is also a lot of people, though, that are like, ever since the three-point contest. And I haven't True. looked straight up at the numbers off the top of my head, but... Not great since just saying that
1: was very tough to watch, and uh, I think he only made like did he make I think he made one or two that it was really bad, really tough, it was really tough, and I was very disappointed. Chris and I were in Salt Lake City for that, and I i had to write about it because we, we had to cover oh, no. everything. So, writing about it was just like, oh my god, like, how do I write anything about this? I don't want to make it seem like it was a train wreck, but it was, but sure, I guess if you look back at that, and again. His splits are bad, I think, last year. As, as this, the year went on, he got worse and worse because he came out of the gates shooting like 50% from three, I think, in November. I could pull it up, but it's been a while that he struggled. And I know that at three, I think he was three for seven against the Lakers. That doesn't solve all your problems, but the fact that he knocked down a shot when it mattered most, the fact that his defense was a lot better than we've seen in a long time, I mean... I think Mike Brown even kind of applauded him for, I think he had two blocks. One of his blocks came against Anthony Davis in the fourth quarter. So,
0: him he just having, ha-
1: he got the chain. He got the chain. Him having just a positive game on both ends of the floor, which is what he did, uh, that's what's most important. Um, last year, Kevin Herter has splits. October, we're looking at 53% over six games. November, 41% over 14 Then it kind of goes down a little bit 37, 37, 29. March, he was red hot, red hot in March. Probably the, honestly, I forget the best month he had all year. He averaged 18 points per game on 53% shooting from the field, 51 from three. Then we get to April, four games in April before the playoffs, 41% from the field, 25 from three. That goes into the playoffs where he shot 20% from three. So really at the end of last year, into the beginning of this year, not great. But if he can tap back into that, side of himself and if he can be a 38, 40% three point shooter. That's what this offense needs. And that's what they were really missing in that, fir- that first game against golden state, just you know, a couple of days ago, they, they really needed someone to kind of step up and no one else outside of De'Aaron Fox did. So do, th- does that game the other night make you feel hopeful or positive that the Kings can kind of tap back into Kevin Herter? Because I think we talked about it and, and wrote about a little bit that it was going to take more than, a couple of games for Mike Brown to, to bench a guy that started every game last year. And think he started in 70% of the career games he's had, or 65% of the career games he's played. He's been a starter. And I just want to know, do you feel like this is maybe the beginning of something for Kevin Herder?
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I don't think I was all too concerned even leading into the game. The weird stuff for me was like after that preseason game where Duarte started, you know, went into the locker room, thought everything was just going to be normal. And Kevin clearly, you know, had some feelings about it and it's super understandable. But, you know, I always feel weird speaking on a player's mental because we don't really know. But from the impressions of these press conferences, like he was he it almost seemed like like a weight was lifted off his shoulders after that last game. And you saw the shot mentally. Yes. His reaction of a shot.
1: and He said he could you could see the expression on his face. He put the, the thank, the thank you arms yeah. up. It's, it's clear. He's going through it.
0: Yeah. And so I'm sure that was good for his mental. Like for me, you know, I think defensively he can be better. And that last game, he was good. He had some huge rebounds also. That was a pretty big part of that. Seven boards. Yeah. And, and some big ones like he went up and grabbed a one handed one near A.D. And I was like, what is going on here? Well, um, we watch him
1: on. We watch him in warm ups and he is sneaky athletic. Like it's yes. sneaky. Like we don't see it very often because, again, he, his job is to knock down threes. That that really is his job. He's not really supposed to go on and attack the rim. But he's sneaky athletic. We see during pregame warm. He kind of bust out a dunk every once in a while. But um, yeah, I, I think that the Kings as a whole need everyone to crash because they were not a good, believe it or not, they were not a good rebounding team last year. I know Damana Sabonis was the best rebounder in the NBA, but the Kings overall, not a good rebounding team and they need everybody to do a little bit more. And obviously Keegan Murray, I think he's averaging what, like eight rebounds a game right now. It's something like that. It's something maybe seven, but Kevin going in there and he's averaging five to begin the year over three games. I mean, again, very small sample size, but, um, if you're not going to knock down threes, you got to bring something else to the table. And he's, if he can tap into that defensive side of things and crash the glass, you know, you got to provide something. And he did that last game.
0: Yeah. I think he, I felt like he was a little bit better defensively in Atlanta than like what we've seen last year. He had okay moments. I, I think for the most part, he's a slight negative defender and a guy that definitely gets targeted by other teams. But I, I think we've seen. Yeah, I mean, Kevin's an important part of this offense, right? And as long as that shot's going down, my concern that was like starting to grow a little bit in time is like, okay, defensively, I get it. You need to be better. But like your offense has to be there yeah, because that's everything that Kevin is, right? Like if shots aren't going down, then what are we really doing here, to be honest? Um, And he still has a threat as a shooter even when they're not going down and he's in a slump. And a lot of the best shooters in the league go through slumps. You know, like this is still one of, I think it's 12 or 14 guys. Him and Keegan were both in this group that shot above 40% on more than six per game last year.
1: Yeah. And like, two, it, I, one of six that made 200 on 40%. Like he, he was a massive part of why right. the Kings had that top offensive rating.
0: Yeah. And the spacing, like everybody always points to like, oh, Damanis bonus was so big for unlocking De'Aaron Fox. I think that's true. But simultaneously you got spacing of Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, and Keegan Murray that was so big for unlocking that Damn. duo. And Kevin Herter's obviously a big part of that. And it is funny, like so much of the conversation was around Chris Duarte. He's averaging 18 minutes. I think he's been fine, but like Damn. it felt like there was a lot of conversation of like, oh my gosh, like how much is this guy gonna play? He's been so good. 14 minutes in the first game, 26 against Golden State, 14 against the Lakers.
1: Yeah, I mean, and again, I, I do like the defense. I can't remember what the stat was. I think he's ranking very high in a specific defensive category. I think he's first in the NBA. I can't remember what the actual defensive stat was, but um, the defense has been, I think, fine, better than I expected. I think I was talking to you about it before. Like I was kind of confused why people were putting a lot of stock into him as a defender when I think the overall reviews from him in Indiana were that he wasn't a great defender. But I think that this staff is kind of instilling, like, find what you're good at and or find what you could be good at and kind of just carve out that role. I think they kind of see something in him. They see that he is able to defend because he has the, he has the build for it. He has a long wingspan. He's tall. He can defend the twos and threes in the NBA, but he's buying in. And when you see what he can bring to that second unit, that's why I think it's so valuable. if The Kings can get Kevin Herter to tap back into what he was last year, because the Kings didn't have that last year. They didn't have a guy on the bench that can defend twos and threes and knock down the three ball Like Chris Duarte can. They just did not have a backup. I guess we're calling
0: him a three. Um, yeah, they he, really he was the one guarding LeBron in that Warriors yeah. game when when Harrison was out.
1: It did, a little different from KZ, Paul, and Kessler Edwards, who yes. was good at times last year, but very unpolished. Chris Duarte is a guy that has a lot, I think, more potential than both those guys, and that's no disrespect to either of them, of Kessler or KZ. Who I'm not sure if KZ Just, is Duarte
0: can play offense is what it is. Right? Duarte
1: can play can play offense. Yeah, and I've been I've been impressed, but. Kevin being able to be what he was against the Lakers and maybe a little more that makes his team even more scary because you have Chris Duarte on the bench.
0: Absolutely. It's nice to have a little bit of depth. Like, like I mentioned, just somebody else to throw at Braun, right. For it. As yes. an example, you have the same issue with a lot of guys, Paul George, Kawhi, um, Kevin Durant, like so many different guys in that's just in the division. Even like Andrew Wiggins, even Keegan yeah. Murray, honestly gets overpowered by Andrew Wiggins all the time. Like LeBron got Keegan. His too. Chest. Let, yeah. dude that the last the layup game. in regulation he just stood there and just stared at keegan for probably like i don't know five to eight seconds and then just goes right past him for the easiest right handed layup ever and i can i should have looked for coach's reaction because he had to have been so pissed it was
1: like him. walking through an open door i mean keegan didn't even try to cut him off. no resistance was just, no, no. Didn't even didn't even try to cut him off lebron just literally waltzed through and just went up and under for a, a score i think that tied the game with yeah Twelve seconds left. So, and then Keegan missed the shot
0: on the other end. It looked. I thought it was going in.
1: I feel like the Kings have this kind of like curse or allergy to knocking down open game winners. I mean, I feel like the game winners we've seen have been largely contested. Like Harrison Barnes had a game winner against the Cavs a couple years ago. That was crazy contested. The one against the Suns, I feel like there was a pretty good contest. De'Aaron in Chicago, maybe not crazy, but I thought it was not a wide open look. I think he pulled up into it, but I hate to bring up game four. There's game four HB true Keegan. Um, I'm sure there's others, but I feel like we haven't seen him knock down a wide open. I mean, he was as wide open as you could be. That's just the hard part of it. Yeah.
0: He was and pretty deep, but yeah, I don't
1: think, I it was think the most the wide open
0: one I can think of is probably Chamez met too. I think it was against Dallas. Oh, that was wide open. Okay. That's, last, open. that's the for, last for, one. you know, understandable reason. That's Dallas. the only reason why it went in. Yeah. (laughs) How's he how's he doing in in Phoenix? I do not believe he's been playing. I can't imagine he is. We could do I you know, we could end this pod with like a check in on Recent kinks, I'd I'll say I'll save that then. I'll save that. I did watch a Detroit game the other day. I was very curious how Zach Levine dropped 50 with zero assists and yeah. lost by 15 to the Pistons. So I started watching that game. Marvin Bagley is their backup center of choice, by
1: the way. He beat he, out James Wiseman, he beat out James Wiseman. But right now, this that's a Jalen Duran show out there. Jalen Duran yeah. is like he looks like a guy,
0: man. And he's he like is. 19.
1: He, he was so hyped in college, and I kind of was like, okay. Here's another overhype big. I kind of was like, they didn't want to say I got Wiseman vibes from him, but no, this this guy is 15, like in like 14 right now or 15 and 12.
0: He's really doing a lot of damage. So good for yeah. him. Him and Cade are quite a duo. Um, and by the way, can I just throw in like, just to echo this, uh, Keegan Murray was definitely the right pick at number three. Just Yes.
1: Jaden like, Ivey is coming off the bench and Keegan Murray has had I wanna say he's even not looked great so far. He's looked fine and his numbers are really good. Like he yeah. Keegan's averaging sixteen and seven on like
0: thirty-four percent from three and his shots aren't even falling yet. In that game against the Lakers, he had two of the biggest offensive rebounds of the game. He got two of them in overtime. Um he had three offensive rebounds total. I think the team had six for twenty second chance points, which the math doesn't even make sense. I think there's also team rebounds in there yeah. as well. Um but he got two huge offensive rebounds that both led to Malik monk threes in overtime. I think Keegan's like done a lot of the little things really well. Um, and the other guy that we got to talk to a practice day was Trey Lyles, who spoke to media for the first time since straining his calf on a, just under two weeks ago. I believe it was the, the second preseason game. I think it was like the second preseason in golden game. state. Yeah. Um, when we were in golden state, he warmed up and then a, Somebody else kind of saw that he was walking slowly off the court, you know, rather than just like a typical jog, and was like, "Oh, that's kind of weird." And then we got the update that he strained his ankle. He spoke or sh- strained yeah. his uh, left calf yeah, right sorry. before tip off.
1: Like we were in our seats and like we got the update right before. I think it was like during introductions and just said Traille Alsholz rolled out. I'm like, oh
0: okay, yeah, because well. he was out there warming up, Um and he shared today that pretty much he just went through his warm up and then said he was feeling a little weird and realized he strained his calf and then he's kind of just been playing it safe since he's never had a calf injury before and you know calves can be tricky it supports a lot of the achilles which obviously is something that you really want to be able to protect and not have any risk of injuring that or added risk and in the meantime he's not been practicing he we did see him after practice today going for about 20 to i guess he continued after he spoke with us, so, I don't know, 40, 20 to 40 minutes of working out by himself and really working up a sweat, going through shooting drills, running across the court, high knees, and all this different stuff. So he looked like he's in good shape. Um, his shot is gorgeous, by the way. Yeah, I, I saw that video you posted. looked really nice. He's he's such a good shooter. Um, yeah, one of those like, forms that's just beautiful. Well, it's
1: crazy because, I mean, we talk about the depth, and I'm sure we might just touch on Sasha in a minute here um, before we wind down. But, I mean, the Kings have, have looked so deep this year. And they still haven't gotten their arguably, I mean, or not really an argument, I guess, their 2nd best bench player from last year. I mean, the fact that they've been doing this, and again, 2 and one start is not saying, oh, the way they're playing so well, but the offense looks good. They have a lot of weapons, and they haven't even had Trey Lyles yet, who, again, maybe would take some of those JaVale Gee minutes down the stretch in overtime. I'd imagine the Kings probably would have ran him at the five. I mean, is that a fair assumption?
0: I think so, but I don't really know. They to love after, Javale, man. I think they love Javale too. I just feel like when you're in,
1: when Demontis Sabonis fouls out, and unless you're playing against a team that has like a real bonafide, like it, it, maybe Joel Embiid or Jokic, maybe it make I could
0: see that. But I think they could have gotten by with. I think Hale the same. The I think the same. Well, originally they went with freaking Harrison at the five, and he was guarding AD, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I just just. I would hope they would. I'll put it that
1: way. It was very fitting that Vladi was out there at center court for that, ta- that <laughs> tap out. Chris, Chris was telling me that. Chris Watkins was trying yeah. to tell me that. So it's so fitting that Vladi is there for that tap out because I know it's a, a, a basketball play. And I think – I don't think it's frowned upon as much as I think it should be. But I don't get why you don't just grab the ball because I know if you take it takes more time yeah. to corral it with two hands. But slap – tapping that ball, it de- I mean you literally – can lead to fast break points. It's like that happened the other night, especially when you're volleyball serving it like that one was, but I digress.
0: Yeah, no, I get you. I I'm very interested to see when Trey comes back, which he said, by the way, that he wants to participate in their next practice, which I'm assuming will be Thursday or Friday. He's hoping to, that's not so he, confirmed or he anything. He could
1: be in play for the road trip is basically what we take away. Could be in yes. play for maybe the first or second game in Houston or at the latest when they come home for, I mean, that's over a week away. I think he'd probably come back before than the way that he was out of breath in the in
0: the you know today's He it was a like a for real workout. Like he was sprinting around um, you know, different threes and coming off uh screens and or like attacking closeouts and dunking. Like he looked like he was moving great. He's pushing if, it. If he didn't have the wrap or whatever that comes out of his sock up around his calf, you would have no clue that, that dude was injured watching him. So he's looked good, but you know, the same way that we talked about Opportunity, increased opportunity for Day Beyond and now Kobe Jones with De'Aaron Fox out. I think Sasha Vazenkov has gotten a lot of opportunity that I would guess probably wouldn't have been there if Trey Lyles has been healthy. What have been your early impressions of reigning Euro League MVP, Sasha Vazenkov He got a haircut, by the way.
1: He did. It looks great. And again, check out that candy corn video. I'm sure Kings fans have, have already that, seen it, now. but it is pretty funny, man. He tries he like ranks Halloween candy and stuff like that. It's great. Um I've been impressed. I, I think that in preseason, we kind of, I mean, I personally was a little bit worried. I thought he looked a little shaky. He looked a little uncomfortable. And from the beginning of this, I mean, these at the beginning of the first game, that season opener, I think you know, the first three he knocked down, that first look he got in Utah. I just, that quick release is crazy. And that's the video I think you pulled that 2K Twitter got a hold of. <laughs> The 2K community was like, God, we just need this release in all. Oh, that's 2K. green. That's all yeah, green. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, it is. And I, I haven't checked 2K. I haven't played 2K in, this week
0: yet. But I I'm not sure. Deleted it. You deleted it? Why? I had to make space for other games. Spider Man. No, I wish, dude. I really want to get a PlayStation just to play Spider Man. Oh, honest. it's only no. PlayStation. Yeah. Oh, I, I I have I have PlayStation, but I have FIFA, Madden, and Red Dead downloaded, and I Red didn't Dead didn't have space for anything 2? else. Red Dead Two. Yeah, I still have, I have- not finished that.
1: I want to get Red Dead 2 because I'm still waiting, Rockstar, on the announcer for GTA same. six, which we're hearing
0: same.
1: all these rumors about. It. it drives me crazy. Same actually. It's been like I think it's been 10 years. It's been 10 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I was my first year in college. That's insane. <laughs> You're probably Did like Did you a play car- a
0: lot of GTA five?
1: Oh my god.
0: Yes. Yeah, same. My, okay. My roommate
1: and I, when we we got it the day it came out, my roommate like showed up with it on PlayStation 3, mind you, because that was what was around back wow, then. Wow, that's right ps4 wasn't even out yet i think it came out the next year and we played that for every day like we go home from school and we just would start playing like it just the story would be like, was so good it was Online so too, fun. but
0: the story was so good
1: but now gta 6 like i know that's how these things go but it's been rumored forever
0: but yeah, yes i mean now i, I haven't been teased on tiktok about that for too long now
1: it'll come out when we're like 40 years old i'm sure but I I um I have not checked to see if Sasha if if your tweet inspired 2K to update <laughs> Sasha, but um it, the release looks good. He looks like he's very, he fits well in the offense. He makes smart passes. He doesn't force too much. Uh, I think that he's one of, or if not the best cutter without the ball, like off ball cuts. He really knows how to get to the basket and and find a, an open spot on the floor. And that also has to do with a lot of good screening and good you know play designs from from Mike Brown and his staff. But he looks like a seamless fit. I think he fits very well in the offense, and still early, and even like the defense. I know it's very early, but he's looked decently engaged. I mean, he gets blown by sometimes, and it looks really bad. But he's been a little better than I thought. I don't think he's look as helpless as I thought he would. And uh, he's crafty with the rebounds. He's not crazy athletic, but he finds ways to kind of poke and, um, you know, he did it when I when I watched him with Olympiacos too. He he wasn't skying for rebounds. I don't think you could even slide a credit card under his feet when he's jumping, but he just finds where the ball is coming down. and can just kind of find a way to, you know, tip it and, and tap it to where it needs to go. But I, I wonder if he'll stay in the rotation. I think he should. I just feel like he fits well with that second group. And I think he, he plays well off Sabonis and um, they've been kind of connecting more on some, some DHOs over the last game or two, but Trey Lyles is going is to need his minutes. He he got paid $16 million over these next two years. and you you aren't gonna you know hold him out of the rotation. So, do does Sasha lose minutes or does JaVale lose minutes? Maybe they both do. Um, but I think overall it's been an impressive start. Do you do you feel the same way or are you kind of is the defense not really where you'd like it or what, what do you think about
0: Sasha so far? Yeah, well the defense hasn't been good, but it's been getting better. You know, and I think that's all you can really ask. And I think that's been the case with his entire game, right? Like even offensively in preseason. You could see that that cutting and the shooting that was obviously there, but it was still just like getting a feel for the offense, understanding the flow, when to cut, when not to cut. I think him more than anybody, they've somebody's tried to pass to him and he cuts at the same time. You know, so just kind of getting on the same page with his teammates. I think offensively he's looked a lot more comfortable these last couple of games. Um it, him like that sidestep three he had coming off the screen at the top of the three. I was like, God, this guy can really, really shoot, man. Yeah. If he pulled if he
1: hit that one he pulled into that deep one he pulled into, we were about to lose our minds. Yes. That
0: was that was nice. Oh, like a, the heat I check like barely into the game. Yeah. And yeah. I I I loved it. Because he knocked down his
1: first two, I think. I was like, I don't want to fly. Yeah. By the, I mean, the logo. That was almost him. logo. Yeah.
0: yeah. As he should. As he should. he's looked time. Yes. And I loved Belly as well, for what it's <laughs> worth. I think that he's looked good. Um, I am interested when Trey comes back whose minutes he takes. I think it's probably Sasha's. I hope that it's sometime JaVale's and you see those guys next to each other being Sasha and Trey. Because like I said, I feel like Sasha's gotten better with each game. And I'm sure the practices play a part in that. It's not like he can't get better if he's not playing in games, but I think it'd be most beneficial for him to continue growing. And so I would like to still see him as a part of the rotation, but I would understand if when Trey came back, he kind of just felt repetitive, you know, like these guys do a yeah. lot of the same stuff. Really? I think they Trey's do. better defensively. Sasha is a more, I don't even know what to say as a difference for the shooting. Cause Trey can really, really shoot. I just think Sasha is a better, like an elite shooter and Trey's a really good shooter. I think, I guess I think
1: it'll, it'll might depend on what they need. I mean, if they're down by 10 and it's near the end of the first quarter, I mean, does that change Mike Brown's planning? I mean, maybe they go to Trey obviously for defense, Maybe if they're, you know, they have a lead, they're trying to kind of push it. Maybe they put Sasha in to kind of put the nail in the coffin. I don't know, but it could be kind of what they need in that situation. But I feel like more times than not, we're going to see Trey Lyles as the backup for I mean, that's just, that's his spot. I think you said the other day too, like in the NBA, you don't just lose your spot, you know, being hurt. You don't, in more times than not, you don't just lose your spot. Like you, that's yours. You earn that. And until you have a reason that you don't, you know, until you have not earned it and you're falling off, again, which was the conversation with Kevin Herter is at what point do you make that move? And clearly it's not now it's not time for Trey Lyles to be moved out of the lineup either. He, he was so good for them last year. He had a really good showing in at least a couple playoff games and it, it does make me a little upset, but I think Sasha might see his minutes dip a little bit.
0: Yes, we will see what ends up happening. Um, do you want to close with alternating, looking up some X Kings and how they've been yes. starting? I'll take okay. Bagley because I have not looked at what he's been doing. Okay, I'll let you start with Bagley. I'll pull up Messi in the meantime. Okay. Okay, with Marvin Bagley.
1: You know, I'll I'll give him a little credit. Been four games, and I think he was not great last year. I think statistically last year might have been his worst year, like full season as a professional. Um, 12 points a game, six rebounds. But this year, four games off the bench playing 17 minutes, which is a career low, by the way. 11.5 points, 5.5 rebounds on a career-high 66% shooting. So I mean it looks like he's doing okay. I mean he yeah. he playing behind Jalen Duran.
0: He's bad. a five fully now, it seems. Um uh, watching okay. him and Jaden yeah. Ivy play together is like a very weird alternate reality that I am glad to not be living in. I'm very glad.
1: No, I'm very, very glad that I'm not living in it. I mean, I, I do think that Jaden Ivey was an intriguing pick at the time, but Looking back now, I can't believe I even thought that Keegan Murray would even not even. Cons- I was not fully in on Keegan Murray when it happened, and I want to kick myself for it because he's just a perfect fit for this offense. But who
0: else is out okay. there that we need to check on? So I got Tremezi Metu right here. Um, okay, has not played for Phoenix except for two and a half minutes of garbage time in their twenty-two point win over the Utah Jazz that was a couple days ago. So they've got a little bit of. Wow. Like Utah is playing over him, and so is um there's one other that I'm forgetting. Another wing um, that I can't remember off the top of my head. On Phoenix? On Phoenix? Yeah, that I don't even think is great. Like Josh Okogi starting for them. And I think Eric, that's Gordon fine, and I I Eric Gordon. Um Eric Gordon is I think uh also a part of that starting lineup, at least while they've been injured. Yeah. I got their guys here. Nasir Little and Yuta Wantanabe uh, are both playing over Shimezi Metu.
1: Because the Portland worth. trade yes um yes. speaking of former Kings bigs Rashawn Holmes mm. has not play, has not played a game for Dallas yet I think he's actually out of the rotation I'm, i I look the it other day looks and like I liked it I think he's out of the rotation um Kaseyuk Paula is not on a team
0: Derek and lively was has been
1: good by the way for Dallas which probably Duke, is part of that he, Duke guy he's been he's been pretty good. He's, he's yeah. guys no Lively's not a Duke guy is he, he yeah he, I'm pretty sure he is I think he is. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a Duke guy. I remember him from Duke, but I, I do think Namias Kata, we might see hmm. him crack the rotation at some point with Boston because apparently he was very impressive in preseason. And a lot of guys I've seen, I mean, you you're a Celtics guy. Were you seeing the same thing? I mean, people were impressed by him.
0: Yeah. I definitely had Celtics buddies. I know asking me about him and, you know, just kind of had to be like, well, every once in a while he has a quarter where you're like, whoa. And then outside of that, he leaves a decent bit to be desired, but he's young and he's a big. And I think a lot of bigs, honestly, when there are a little bit more projects like that and Nimi definitely had to grow into his body, get used to that. A lot of bigs, like you're probably not going to work with your first team when you're a second round big, like you're going to take time to develop. And more often than not, one team is not going to give you all that time. But then when you move to a new place, you're sort of leash an amount of, Time they're willing to give you extends, and I think that's really good for Namy. So we'll see. Yeah, I got I totally uh, Delhi stats here. Ooh, from Melbourne. Really? How's he doing? Eight games. He started in six of them. He's averaging just under twenty-three minutes, fourteen points, thirty-eight oh. percent from the field, and thirty-two 14, percent from three.
1: Wait, fourteen points over twenty-three minutes.
0: Yeah, on That's 38% from the field. He's shooting it almost 12 times a game. He's I mean, had a fly. His per 36 got to be off the charts. Four assists, four and a half rebounds. Where steals here, 0.75. Um, I'm going to quickly try to look at who's on his team. I wonder if there's anybody that we would know.
1: Maybe. I wonder how PJ Dozier is doing, actually. I think about it because he was playing... That's a good one.
0: Oh, okay. Ian Clark is on the same team. Wow. As Matthew Della Vidova. <laughs> Ian Clark. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only name I recognize here. How long has he been out of the league? He's been out of the league for a minute. Yeah, it's been a little while. He was twenty thirteen
1: draft gosh p j. Dozier in mm-hmm. five games is averaging nine points per game, two assists, two rebounds fifty six percent from the field twenty seven from three. He's in the Euroleague league right now. And I remember seeing him. Uh they like he's in the I mean Euroleague is where they have like the they like light the there's fire torches around the yes around the stadium and they're like lighting off fireworks in the middle of, of the game, which is insanity. Does but, it say
0: what his team is? Yeah.
1: Um he plays for partisan. Sure. Okay. Partisan Mozart Bet. Sure. Um anyone else in that team? Frank Kaminsky's on that team. Mm. Frank, the tank and Frank, the tank's averaging 15 points per game. He leads our team in scoring, uh, 76% shooting from the field and 62% from three. It's been four games. I think he's had a really good start to the year, but that's, that's, that's Frank. And then, uh, you said Kaminsky, right? Not Neil No. Wait, is that, was that? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was Kaminsky. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. That's, that's okay. Frank Kaminsky. Frank, the tank Kaminsky. Um, gotcha. and then how about is Chima playing? I, j- right I have
0: Chima here. Uh, okay. Gastonia. He's been playing in the, let's see, ACB is the Spanish league and also in the EuroLeague. They've played 11 games total. He started in one playing 23 minutes a night, 13 and a half points on 57% from the field. And just under two threes a game, 47% so far. Again, just 11 games. Also got 5.3 rebounds, or I'm sorry, 7.6 rebounds, two assists. Let's see if there's anybody else on this roster playing with Chima. Out of curiosity, Marcus Howard. Oh yeah, and I think that's all I got. A Khalifa Diop. Does that sound familiar?
1: It doesn't sound familiar. Twenty twenty
0: two draft, second round. I guess it
1: doesn't. And then Kaziat Paula is oh, not. Nico on. Mannion. Nico Mannion. Oh, is he? He left. He's the, on this he, team. Was he a one and done? He played his rookie year and he took off.
0: I believe so. Yeah. So Chima Moneki, Nico Mannion, and Marcus Howard. Best and then, uh.
1: Kazuyuk Paul is not on a team right now, mm. so waiting on that. And then just a bonus one, Dante Divincenzo. I just wanted to kind of throw him in there oh, yes. he's right here. Three games with with the New York Knicks, seven points, three rebounds. Yikes, thirty eight percent from the field, thirty percent from three. And last year he was actually pretty good with the Warriors. He was forty almost forty percent from three last year, and one point three steals. But you know he got got a nice contract with New York, and not really doing much at the moment. But it's been
0: very very um well, it's very very early so it is and terrence davis is still not on a team i know there were rumors about him going to olympiacos which would be very funny and trade. i would Kings have very trade. much been rooting for him to win your league mvp because that would have been the funniest timeline but i don't see him anywhere right now which is interesting
1: no. i think he's still out there but um yeah i'm kind of funny sasha for td
0: trade yeah i probably yeah. would have made I probably, i'd make that trade sure sure any other final thoughts before we get out of here, Frank? That was pretty fun, actually.
1: No, it was great. Uh, I think we can do that. I'm down to do that at the end of every episode, honestly. I think Chris, whenever Chris is on, I think you like that too. We do this thing we used to where it was like a basketball up in truelet where we just like look up the guys that are on the the main page on like basketball events. Like right now, it's uh, oh god, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like right now, there's Anton Jameson, like Reggie Miller, Clyde Drexler. There's random people sometimes though. Um, but I think random kings, like not random, but past Kings, kind of checking on how they're doing, but, uh, upcoming stretch for Sacramento. Like you said, Kings warriors for the millionth time tomorrow. Don't really expect to win on that one, but then you get a couple quote unquote, easy games. You get two in Houston. Then you come back home for, uh, Portland. I I just, I'll throw it out there. I think anything less than three wins would be disappointing. I do too. Can can we say that? Yeah, I think we absolutely can. You got to beat both. You got to beat Houston. And you got to beat Portland. Like who is, pretty much i don't want to say tanking again but they're they're not going to be in the mix for the playoffs so and if you lose one of them then like beat golden state the sun is slowly getting worse i know anybody <laughs> on the youtube side two and two two and two is the worst but three and one i think i'll be you know anything less will be disappointed but yeah should be should be fun to watch uh them play some teams that are you know not the warriors because I, I really can't remember the last time i was at a, a game at golden one center where it wasn't the warriors or the lakers so
0: that'll be fun This Warriors game is really big, honestly. Um, You think so? As big as it gets for like a fourth game in the season. You know what I mean? Like, there's a chance that you're really competing with this team for seeding. And the head to head matchup is always the tiebreaker. Like, Mm -hmm. going down 0 2 in the season matchup, I don't like that would suck pretty early on, you know? Um, so again, only as big as it can get for the fourth game of the season. I'm not saying this is a huge game, but no, I get I think what you mean. Winning, yeah, like having that tiebreaker is huge, especially like look at how close the West was last year, right, when it came to total wins.
1: Yeah, no, I totally get what you mean. And it is a huge bummer when you look at it that way because Fox is not going to be available, right. but crazier things have happened. And uh I think the Kings in the regular season have not have not beaten Golden State at Chase Center and like since the year it open. So that's a, that's a bummer. Really, but Yeah. I think the game six win was the first time they'd beaten them at chase in three years since it opened. So wow. they're due again for a regular season win. But uh, yeah, if, if you can't beat the Warriors, that puts a lot more pressure on them in the second half, or I guess they play them again later this month in San Francisco. So that will make that game a lot more important. That's a playing game or a in-season tournament game too. So, Almost through that part of the, the warriors part of the schedule. We almost through it
0: almost. And our buddy, Jason Anderson tweeted that the warriors have listed clay Thompson at, and Dar- Dario Sarge as probable. And Jonathan Kaminga is listed as questionable. Mm. Draymond green is back by the way. Draymond's I wish he was back. playing in golden one to see what that reaction would be like. At one point they put him on the big screen, the jumbotron and everybody started booing and he looked up and noticed it and gave a little smile at a peace sign. I thought it was a funny moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, they always, you know, really compete when they go at each other. Both these teams know each other extremely well. So I'm excited for that matchup and agree with you. Need three and one over these next four. And let's see what this in-season tournament looks like. Because yeah. the, court, the court does not look good, but maybe no. the games will be. Did you see the video of KD going like, what? Like, it's worse. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah, and then he like pretends that it's good. And it's like, okay.
1: Oh man, I can play on uh, an orange court.
0: It's like, yeah, man. Kings are it's... playing on, like... Looks like the Kings are playing like on Brooklyn's court. That's what it looks like. That's all I could think of too. That's the only court I've seen, right? And I think yeah. that um, it's good the for them. NBA teams does it too, I think. But yeah, no,
1: good for them. It looks like it looks cool there, but that's not really that doesn't really do anything for the Kings. No, so.
0: no, it doesn't. And not. they
1: the NBA wanted it to be red. They, why? Why do they keep doing that? It's not why, good. No, red is it's, God, it's horrible. Yeah. Red is not a dominant color for the Kings. I don't think it has been for a very long time. It looks horrible. Those red sack Town jerseys from a couple of years ago are the they're again, they're worse than the gold, in my opinion. They're worse I than agree. the gold.
0: I absolutely
1: agree. But absolutely agree. Anyways, man, I'll see you tomorrow. We're gonna be on uh on our way to the Bay Area. Make sure you guys check out our work. We'll be, you know, enjoying that ice cream that the Warriors press room has, because I'm gonna be getting in on that
0: absolutely same here vanilla ice cream on the way definitely adding some sprinkles not afraid to admit it yep and all of our work will be up on sactownsports.com got a uh, handful of things up there every day and definitely going to be some coverage on these upcoming games from myself frankie and a couple other people that write for the site as well check out emil's content for 49er coverage just traded for chase young on the deadline Mm -hmm. pretty big deal but that's going to do it for this episode of the Return of the Roar podcast. Definitely feel free to subscribe and like on different listening platforms if you want to stay tuned for more upcoming episodes, one to two a week for us throughout the course of the season here. And again, check out SackDownSports.com for for more content. So appreciate everybody listening, and you'll hear from us again in a couple of days. Happy
1: Halloween.